This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the New Books Network. And here we are. Hello, hello, hello to Monica Mancias. Did I pronounce your name properly? Perfectly. Good morning. Mm. Muchas gracias. Good evening to you. And uh, hello to all our viewers and listeners across the world. And I am Mel Rosenberg, the host of the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network. And I am so lucky and fortunate to be with this incredible author, Monica, Monica Mancias, uh, speaking to us from Los Angeles. It's very early in the morning. Thank you very much for waking up. And uh, wonderful to have you on the show. You told me that you were blessed as an author. You have two books coming out with major publishers uh, within two months of each other. Mm -hmm. This happens to about one in 100,000 authors. But it's not only being blessed. You're incredibly talented. Thank you. And um, we're going to get to the bottom of it. So um, start, start at the beginning. You were born in Mexico. You know what? Yes. One thing, before yes. you do that, I want you to brag about your two books that are out. One is uh, okay. out two months ago and one is coming out, uh, The Worry Balloon and How to Speak in Spanglish. Uh, show everybody, please, and brag a little bit. Yeah. So The Worry Balloon came out on July 22nd, and um, it is illustrated by the amazing Betty C. Tang, who actually was just nominated for um, a National Book Award. Her, her graphic novel, uh, Parachute Kids, which is amazing. And I highly recommend everybody read it. Um, so that, that came One out. second. Ho, 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 Monica. Yes. You said nice words about the illustrator. Show us a few of the spreads. Oh, yes, absolutely. They are gorgeous. She's such a talented illustrator. All right, so here's, my, here's our opening spread. Um, I'll show you one of my favorites. There's a, let's see, well, I'll show, I'll just show you a few of them, because she's just, here we've got our, our main character, Isla, struggling with her what-ifs. Yeah, can you read, can you read the what-ifs? Yeah. What if I, what if I broke my ankle? 
What if I never heal? What if we go to the hospital and they tell me I'm going to die? So they can escalate pretty quickly, not just in a child's mind, but I think in uh, all of our minds. You, you, you don't then, pull any punches in this book. I do not, no. No, I don't hold back because the experience of being anxious is, it's a really, really scary one for a lot of us. And she does these really beautiful things with my words, you know, where she, where she kind of literally depicts, you know, Isla's feet feels, she feels like she's stuck in quicksand. I just, I just love it. And one more I'll show you because it's just my favorite. I, I mention the buttercup sun outside a buttercup sun seemed to smile as Isla stepped onto the sidewalk. And I love her her cheerful illustration of that buttercup sun and the beautiful city behind it. So yeah, she's a absolutely gorgeous illustrator. So that one came out on July 22nd through Roaring Brook Press, Macmillan. And then this one just came out on, oh no, sorry, July 11th, did I say that? And then this one is um, August 22nd, just came out. And I'm delighted to say that it is a September book club pick of the month in Target stores. So that was a huge boon for me to actually be in a, a big chain retailer. Um, and it's all a about a little boy who um, loves to speak in Spanglish and his abuelita is more traditional and believes that you should speak Spanish at home and English at school. And of course, he he tries it her way and is not very happy and then winds up converting her and teaching the whole community how to speak in Spanglish. Okay, but there, there isn't one Spanglish, is there? There's like a multitude of Spanglish. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think for those of us who are who are bilingual or multilingual, we, we do a lot of code switching and um, it becomes your own thing. There are some commonalities um, but I'm sure that the, you know, Spanglish that's spoken on the East Coast is slightly different from what's spoken in Texas or in New Mexico or in England. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. here, here in our family, because I come from Canada and my wife is Israeli, we have a kind of a um, English Hebrew, mm -hmm. uh, uh, English. Yeah. So this is English. So I, I, connected, I connected with this book on many levels. The worry balloon, you know, as an anxious person, uh, we all we all connect. Um, so you you came to the states from Mexico when you were two, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, not mistaken, not mistaken. <laughs> and um, and you grew up on the west coast. Yes. Uh, so the question that, that that begs itself, Monica, are these two books about you? Are these the five year old Monica in two embodiments? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that we, whether whether we mean to or not, we always put some of ourselves into our books. Um, I'm, I'm working on a, a dystopian book right now that is completely from my imagination, but I'm sure that a lot of my own self is going to flow out onto the page. Um, so yeah, my the the first my debut, Mariana and her familia, most definitely is my story. It might as well have been called Monica and her familia. Um, you know, they, it even takes place in Ensenada, where my family still lives, and um, the illustrations are are largely based on the um, illustrator Erica Metza's family. She used, you know, her her family and her family house as inspiration. But if you look at, for example, uh, the first spread is 
them crossing the frontera, crossing the border into Tijuana. And that is, I mean, it's like pulled right out of my brain, that memory. Um, and I still feel the same way now to this day, every single time I cross the border and get that first glimpse of Tijuana and Baja California. Um, so yeah, this is very much based, even the, there's a moment in, in the book where she accidentally calls her abuelita, agualita. Agua means water in Spanish. And so there's that code, that accidental code switching, although that's not English and Spanish, it's just Spanish on Spanish. But um, yeah, I did a lot of that kind of, you know, making mistakes when I was, uh, when I was little. And so this is, that happened to me. I'm a big uh, proponent of making mistakes. Yeah, how else do you learn, right? And some of the best things come from mistakes. Yes, I'm writing a whole book about it. Nobody will publish it because it's all full of mistakes. Um, <laughs> let, let's get back to you because you are awesome. So um, you're an overachiever. You, yes. you studied anthropology uh, mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, you're a, a piano teacher. Mm -hmm. You're a very successful author, children's books and soon novels. It's incredible. So uh, what is this inferno that is Monica Mancias? You know, I've, I've always been an overachiever, even as a kid. Um, I think it comes from, if I'm to psychoanalyze myself, I think it comes from, uh, you know, my parents divorced when I was young and, I didn't have a lot of control over the decisions that were made at home. So I think I, I loved school because it was a, it was, it was the place that I could control things. If I, I could control the outcome. If I studied hard and did well, I knew that I could get a good grade. I knew that I could get the uh, approval of my teachers. And so I, I always worked very, I was a people pleaser and I worked very, very hard. Um, I started, playing piano and singing when I was very young. And it was the same thing. I just put my all into it. Um, I learned when I was in ninth grade, I learned that I was number one in my class and I decided I was gonna hang on to that. You know, I was gonna make sure that I ended high school uh, number one and I did. And I think that that, ex that singular experience set me up for the rest of my life. It taught me that no matter what I did, uh, what I, you know, what I dreamed of, how big I dreamed, as long as I didn't give up and as long as I, um, you know, stuck to my belief in myself that, and worked hard, of course, that um, I could achieve whatever I wanted. And so I've just kind of stuck to that the rest of my life. And of course, there have been massive ups and downs and failures all over the place, but um, I still wholeheartedly believe that as long as you don't give up, you can achieve anything you want to. So when B wrote her book, I Will Be Fierce, was she thinking of you? Well, we didn't know each other at the time, but I think, yes, maybe she was channeling my inner spirit. <laughs> Hi, B. Hello, B. We and of course, uh, yeah, we love B Birdsong. And uh, you are both uh, represented by the wonderful agent. Melissa Edwards, yes. Who has she... been who has been on the show. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're now like a, a familia, familia de Melissa. Yes, I love it. Well, it's funny that you say that because I'm actually very close with my agent siblings and we call ourselves Team Melissa. So that's how we kind of cheer each other on. Go Team Melissa. 
Wonderful. So before we, Melissa, there's a, uh, a whole roadshow here that uh, we want to hear about. Um, when you were, so, so you write basically for five-year-olds. So you know my theory, you studied anthropology. My theory is that if we write for five-year-olds, we are basically five years old. Mm -hmm. We all are in a way. And you had a crisis coming to America and inside your family. And so I'm guessing that at some stage, and I do this too, we come back to our five-year-old to, to fix the world. Yeah. And you've written about this. Mm -hmm. you, you want to reach out to the world one child at a time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is splendid. So uh, but why did you study anthropology in university? Who are you trying to make happy? <laughs> you know, I, I was actually trying to make myself happy with that one. I, I, uh, I didn't know what I was going to study. I, I, I went to a school of performing arts and I loved uh, music. I had always loved writing. I, I, you know, I always thought that, that I knew that uh, my creative life was going to be a part of my life as an adult. I knew that much, but I also, um, as I mentioned to you before the show, my, my dad was a neurobiologist. He was a professor at UCLA and um, I had a lot of admiration for him and I, and I loved my academic studies as well. So I thought, um, maybe I'll studies, you know, maybe I'll be a professor and, and an academic someday. Um, so I really didn't know what I was going to study, but I wound up, um, after my first, uh, semester in college, I, I, my classes were all horrible. And so I decided, okay, the next time around, I'm just going to, I'm going to enroll in a bunch of classes and then I'll drop them as, you know, I'll, I'll just select the ones that, that I wind up liking. And for some reason, over and over again, it was the anthropology classes that spoke to me the most. Um, I mean, I I think as a writer, there's there's an anthropologist in all of us. You know, I was fascinated by human beings and what makes us tick and why are we the way we are. And I think that we do that in our writing every single day. That's very interesting because I've interviewed, I think, over 100 authors. I'm not sure any of them studied anthropology. I have to check. You might be the first. So there might be a lesson here. You know, if you want to be highly successful like Monica. <laughs> study anthropology. Be, be fierce and study anthropology. Yes. Yeah, there you go. And, and then what happened? But you became a piano teacher. Yes. Well, um, I, as I was telling you before the show, I, I took kind of a hard left turn. Uh, I loved anthropology, but I found myself in, in college doing a lot of songwriting. And um, when I graduated, I, I was spending almost all of my time at home writing songs and um, writing songs for whom? For myself, for myself. And, and, and I sort of this this um, idea blossomed of becoming a singer songwriter. And um, I was going to go to Berklee College of Music and, and study music, but a whole thing happened. I wound up with cat scratch fever and comatose in the hospital. It was crazy. You, so, you could have um, been a jazz performer. That was my dream. I wanted to be a jazz singer. Yeah. I love okay, so jazz. Before, at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the um, conversation, we're going to do a little uh, jazz duet, you and I. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Can, can you sing one of the songs that you've written? 
Um, it's been it's been quite a while since I've uh, performed anything of my own. It's been probably about a decade, so that would be a. a here's your call. here's your here's your opportunity to jump right back <laughs> oh, in, Mel, Monica. You're killing me. <laughs> okay, just a line or two. A line or two from from one of my songs. Um, oh man. I have to really dig through my memory. Well, I've look, been... listen, I'll have you back in a year or two, but this is like an opportunity for you to show everyone how musical you are. Yeah. Um, well, I've been, my, my husband is actually um, also a musician and he's working on an album right now and I've been singing backup vocals for him. Um, so let me think if I can pull one out. We just recorded one the other day called Moving On. Um, Moving on is, no, how does it go? I told you I got no sleep last night. So let's see. Um, what are the lyrics? Listen, you're forgiven oh, yeah. for everything. Anybody who goes into a, <laughs> goes into an interview at ten to seven in the morning is forgiven. Excellent. All right. So one line. Um, hanging on is easier than moving on. I think that I changed that a lot, but you get the idea. Qué bella, qué linda. <laughs> it's beautiful. Thank you. Wow, I don't know if I'm speaking Spanish or Italian, but that is very, very moving. Oh, so thank you. Tell your husband to record you an album. I will. I have an album. Um, you can actually find it on Spotify, Amazon. I think we're gonna we're gonna share it for our viewers and listeners. Perfect. How how sublimely talented you are, and you have such a lovely singing voice. Oh, thank you. My thank goodness. You. Okay. I mean, if we ever get to Los Angeles, you and I are going to have to do a gig, gig together. So you're a musician as well, I take it. I have been. I have been known as a musician. Um, but this this program is about you, dear. So uh, getting back to Monica. So um, you studied anthropology. You made yourself happy. And then you said, okay, no, no, I'm going to go back into music. Yeah, it was really where my heart was pulled. And um, so I so I had the cat scratch fever and the coma and, you know. Coma? Uh, yeah, I was in a coma for three days. Yeah, they didn't know what was wrong. I got uh, encephalitis. So it crossed the, the infection, crossed the blood brain barrier. And um, they eventually figured it out and I was fine. But um, it, it kind of, it, it, it derailed my plans a little bit. So um, I wound up deciding, okay, I'm just, you know what, I'm going to move to Los Angeles and just give it a go. And um, I wanted to learn production and produce, record my, produce my own albums. So I got work um, at a small recording studio and then eventually uh, wound up at Musicians Institute, which is like a contemporary college of music for those who want to go into the industry and be rock and roll stars, that sort of thing. Um, so I worked there. I wound up uh, as the director of the audio engineering program and worked there for about nine years and then got married and had a baby and decided I wanted to stay home with my daughter. So, <clears throat> so every so every 10 years, you do make a uh, about yeah. turn. Yeah, that's about right. Yep. We are kindred souls, my dear. We are kindred souls. Sounds so, like um, and then you, you, you woke up one morning and you said, enough of music, I want to write children's books. 
Well, you know, I, I, like I said, I had always loved writing. I mean, I, I have boxes full of everything I ever wrote from the time I was little, I saved everything. And because it meant something to me, it really did. And um, so that was always kind of the, the back burner dream that, okay, I'm going to be a professor. And then I'm going to, um, you know, tour the world as a musician for 10 years. And then someday I'll sit down and I'll write my novel. And I had, you know, tried here and there every few years I would I would have an idea and I would sit down and write something um, but after my daughter was born I as I said I left my career behind and I had this hunger for a creative outlet and a new career and I started teaching piano part-time just to you know have something to contribute but also I could still be home with my young daughter um, and we were reading children's books together every single day. I was taking her to the library. We'd come home with this massive stack of books. I was reading to her all the time. And so I just started getting ideas for my own books and thought, well, maybe I'll take a stab at that. And I, uh, I did a Google search, how do you become a children's book author? And kept coming across SCBWI. And I was, what is this SCBWI thing? You know, and I uh, eventually wound up um, uh, becoming a member and going to my first conferences and forming my first critique groups. And um, how, how many years ago was this? This was. I joined, I believe, in uh, late 2017 and went to my very first conference in spring of 2018 and signed with Melissa at the end of that year. It was incredibly fast <laughs> and how did how did yes you are a uh, a rocket yeah. wow um so how did that happen melissa um well i so i went so uh, through scbwi can't say that this morning scbwi i um applied for uh, a local mentorship program uh, through the Los Angeles region. And I won a mentorship with Andrea J. Loney, an amazingly talented kid lit writer. Um, and so I spent six months with her. And one of the first things she told me is, you have to be on Twitter. Why are you not on Twitter? The artist formerly known as Twitter, now known as X. Um, and, uh, you know, I grudgingly joined Twitter, started following uh, authors and agents and editors. And I was such a novice, I knew nothing about publishing i i was learning as I was you going. sure learned quick yeah you know i just um yeah i just put my all into it i really did i think more than i've ever done with any of my other pursuits uh and i participated i started participating in pitch events and um, participated in dv pit uh, which was for uh, marginalized creators and melissa liked my pitch and uh we were on the phone within a week she it was her birthday sweet such a sweet thing it was her birthday when she liked my pitch and um yeah we were on on the phone within a week she offered representation and the rest is history did, did you realize how lucky and um I, lucky maybe is not the right word because you're super talented but this falls on own, this less than 0.1% of yeah. authors. Yes, I was lucky. I do recognize that. I think you do have to have talent. I think you have to work hard and you have to show up. 
and I did those things, but um, I, I do and I did recognize the fact that my timing um, was impeccable. I, I got extremely lucky that um, Melissa happened to find me in that, in that way on the day that she did um, when I was still really starting out. And again, very green. I was very, very fortunate. Let's uh, zoom forward to your most recent book, which is mm -hmm. Spanglish, How to Speak Spanglish. Um, and it, it sounds like a manual, uh, but it, it's anything but a manual. It's a, it's a story. Um, and I love it. You want me to tell you why I love it? Yeah. First of all, first of all grab it and, uh, and a few words about the, uh, the uh, illustrator and the publisher. Yes, so this book is published um, through Penguin Workshop, who I have to say, I absolutely adore. My editor, Elizabeth Lee, is just such a gem. She is amazing. And my publicist, the design team, everybody, the publisher, they're all just such a lovely, amazing team. And they've put so much behind this book. I'm just incredibly fortunate to be working with them. And the illustrator is the very talented Olivia de, de, see, I can't speak this morning, Olivia de Castro. And she, this is actually, I believe her debut picture book. Um, and she just did a beautiful job. I love the bright color palette that she uses. And um, it, yeah, it's just absolutely gorgeous. I'll show you a couple of spreads here. Mm. Show everybody else. I've seen the book and loved yeah. it. And I'm going to tell you and everybody else why I love it so much. Okay, so this is the opening spread here. You can see um, Sammy is a character. He, he doesn't just like to mix up uh, his language. He, he does things his own way. So, you know, he likes to put ketchup on his chilaquiles and salsa on his hot dogs. You know, he uh, peanut butter and jelly on his abuela's tamales, which is a little strange. Uh, but yeah, he likes to do things his own way. I love this spread as well. I'm saying watcha in Spanglish. So yeah, absolutely gorgeous illustrations. And now I'm going to tell you why I love the book. Yeah. And everybody else. Because it looks like, I mean, it, it, you know, you have the sensibility of a, um, a wonderful author with, with, your children, with your background as a child, your angst, um, but you're also a teacher. So uh, there's also lessons, but Spanglish is a double-edged sword mm -hmm. because on the one hand, right, you're, you know, there's the moral here that it's, it's okay to be different. It's okay to, you know, to eat, to put peanut butter on your hot dogs and, and, and so on. And it's, it's okay to speak uh, Spanglish, mm -hmm. but what's incredible is it's very anti-establishment mm -hmm. because, you know, Spanglish doesn't exist. It's not a real language. It's not according to the rules. It breaks all the rules. You want to be American. You want to fit in. Boiling pot, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And that's what I love about it, that it has these two hats. In one hat, you know, uh, you have to, it, it, it's a book uh, about being able to be your own person, but it's also a book about fitting in, the fitting in your own way. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I, I love that perspective. Um, it is anti-establishment, and I don't know that 
I was that I was necessarily conscious. No, of it, that? It's produced by 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 Penguin. You mm -hmm. know, it's a it's a, a traditional publisher among the best and the most traditional. Mm -hmm. And it's like in your face, you know, yeah. it's okay yeah. to be yourself. Yeah. In this in this American hodgepodge. Yeah. Well, and language is such a hot button issue in the United States. And um I, I recently did an interview with an NPR station in Phoenix, Arizona, and the producer was talking to me about um this legislation that's being pushed in Arizona right now to uh, get Spanish out of the schools and uh, to, to get rid of dual language programs. And there's this, I think, somewhat uniquely American um, ideology that, you know, you only speak English here. And it, you know, all around the world, it's, 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 it's a little strange to me because, you know, we should be celebrating as we do in other, in other countries and other cultures, speaking more than one language is a good thing. I mean, cognitively, academically, it's, it's a good thing. And socially, of course, as well, it opens up the world to us, the more languages we speak. So I did. But, but, I, you, see, but you see America is anti-language. Yes, it, it it barely allows you to speak English, right? Um, and I'm not I'm not being facetious. You know, you're you're yeah. allowed to barely speak English in America. Yeah. And I found the word that I was looking for. You know, sometimes in the interview, you know, there's a word and it's out there. And you you know, I, the word is subversive. Tell Elizabeth Lee that I want to interview her because this is a subver a subversive children's book, which I says that that it's okay, yeah, not to speak English. Well, and I think that's why it means that much more to me that it is in Target stores and that it is selling well and people are responding to it. And the look that I've seen on adults' faces um, when, you know, when I've done a reading or uh, I, I actually ran into, uh, I went to a Target to visit the book when it first came out and there were um, two women there who had just put it in their carts and they asked me to sign it and they were incredibly excited and when i speak to these adults there's something that's so um almost healing in, in about this book to them they feel not only seen but there was this sort of shame for me and i think a lot of people growing up here that you didn't uh, that you didn't quite belong to one culture or the other, and there was no space for that. There was no representation. There was no space made for you speaking more than one language and you speaking this hybrid language and you being from a different culture. Um, things are changing a little bit now, but of course we've got a lot of pushback in, in the school system. Um, and like I said, the look in, in these adults' eyes of almost, you know, feeling like it's okay and and they are not alone in the experiences that they went through it's um that's what speaks to me and that's what makes me want to write more books and why i'm just thrilled that again this particular I, book is getting the attention it is monica i i wish you were jewish <laughs> because <laughs> because a similar thing happened to the jewish immigrants here mm-hmm and as someone who wanted to go to Berkeley School of Music and study jazz, you should know that yeah. most of the, I'm going to say classical jazz writers mm -hmm. were Jews who, who changed their names, you know, and, and, and who wanted to be American. And Irving Berlin was, 
Yisrael Beirin, and his mother tongue was Yiddish. Yeah. But most of these um, uh, writers and musicians, um, I wouldn't say they were embarrassed, but they really wanted to be American. Yeah, there was a real, uh, there was a time where there was a real push for assimilation. And I, well, I mean, I think there's, there still is. Um, but of course, there, there is the, um, there is another movement for celebrating your culture and celebrating your hybrid culture, whatever your culture is, celebrating it and being proud of it. But yes, there's a long standing um, tradition of anti immigrant sentiment in this country. And so every wave of immigrants who have come through this country have had to um, contend with that and, you know, figure out how to assimilate and also how to stay connected to their cultural. So, so I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and ask you an anthropological question. Uh -oh. I'm not an anthropologist, but you are. So uh, what, what happened eventually is that uh, words in Yiddish, for example, and some in Hebrew, found their way into American everyday usage, language. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're English. You know, if you say kvetch um, or chutzpah, or there's all kinds of words that are widely used that are Yiddish words. Um, and they're now English words. Mensch, mm -hmm. uh, there's so many of them. What are some words that have already crossed this divide that aren't Spanglish anymore? They're already Spanish words in English. Spanish words in English. And, 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 and don't give me tacos and tortillas. Give me, are there words that have found their way into English? I, and okay. Maybe there aren't. Maybe there aren't. I have to. I have to imagine. Uh, yeah, I have to imagine they are. Boy, you are testing my intellect today. Got to sing. Got to, oh, my. Um, I have to think. I mean, of course, I'm in California. And so, you know, all the street names are in Spanish and uh, everything is in Spanish. I'm trying to think uh, of Spanish words. You know, I I don't I, I'm, it's too early in the morning for me to. Okay, that it, out. this this will be this will, this will be homework but, for the for the next time yes. we meet because you have you how how many books coming out next year? Uh, I have two books coming out next year. One is still unannounced, but um, this this one, Sing It Like Celia, is coming out through Penguin Workshop on April second. So and it's available for pre order now. I it's can send you an arc if you'd like. <laughs> I would love it. it. It's young adult. It's middle grade. Middle grade. Wow, it's it's a thick book for middle grade. Yeah, it's you know, believe it or not, it's actually shorter than, and so many middle grade books are getting thicker and thicker these days. So it's wow. Um, yeah. Sing it like Celia. So this is coming out when? April second of next year. So I'm already booking you for next April, dear. Perfect. I love it. Unless you say the email. I'll have the answers for you next time. Yes, absolutely. So um, now it's time to ask you what advice you have for other authors, given your stellar success. Okay. So let's put, let's say we'll put the being in the right place in the right time and being blessed and lucky. Let's put it aside. You are incredibly gifted. Oh, thank you gift some of your giftness to other people well i think as i said earlier on i mean my my biggest advice is is really um to to first of all focus on the writing so it's so easy at any stage in your career you know uh pre-agented post-agented pre-published post-published 
it's so easy to get lost in all of the things, you know, we always, my agent siblings and I always remind each other comparison is the thief of joy. So try not to, uh, you know, especially when you start getting going down that road, um, publishing is an emotional roller coaster. And so on those days where you're struggling, for whatever reason, you've been rejected, or you you haven't things are going well, but you're just in your head about your sales numbers, your rankings, your this, that, the, other. the worry balloon. Yes, the worry balloon. Put those worries in the balloon, and um, one of actually no, that's a, that's um, uh, what I was gonna say is is to to be tenacious in your fixation on the love of writing. So come back to that. Anytime I'm struggling, I just come back to well, why do I do this in the first place? Because I love to write, and because I want to share my stories and change the world in some small way. So even if my books only move one person, you know, of course, we all want more than that. But I've done my job. If there's one child in the world who who uh, is is touched in some way, or even an adult, it's touched in some way by my books. So come back to that um, love of writing. Don't ever give up on yourself, no matter what obstacles come in your way. Um, and there was something else you said something and I was um, coming to that. I say too many things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but honestly, that's my my biggest advice. Of course, people will tell you and these things are all important too. you've got to read in your genre. Um, you've got to have some understanding of the market and where your book sits in the market. But first and foremost, write and never give up on that dream. Oh, that's what I was going to say. You mentioned the worry balloon. So one of the tools at the end of the worry balloon is, is visualization and positive affirmation. So we can, you know, when you, we are struggling, we can change even if it's momentarily, we can change the way the the way that our mind is processing things and viewing things by focusing on what we want to happen. And I make a practice of that every single day before I go to bed. I, you know, focus on what I'm grateful for. And also I visualize and I will sometimes say out loud, or write down on a piece of paper, this is what I want to happen. Or I might even say this is what's going to happen. And it it feeds me you know whether it happens but, but monica not. sometimes it doesn't happen no sometimes it doesn't and you can't be defeated by that have you ever had like major rejections oh of course yeah of course i've had books die on submission my the very first novel that i wrote um uh melissa shelved it she didn't finish reading it it just it she didn't see the potential in it and i could have let that stop me but I just processed, we have to process and allow our feelings. And then, you know, got on a phone call with her and said, okay, where do we go from here? And, and I told her very, I said, this is what I want to happen in my career. And she said, I absolutely see that happening for you. And so I moved on to the next thing. And that's what you have to do. You just keep mm -hmm. moving forward. Incredible. So we have a couple more minutes. Um, I didn't ask you, what were your favorite children's books as a four and five-year-old? Oh, as a four and five-year-old, you know, um, my parents, I, I didn't get a lot of, you know, I was part of that latchkey generation. So my parents didn't take me to the library a lot. Um, I did, you know, once I was in school, I did get to go to the school library. Um, 
I, I remember one book as a kid that my parents bought me is something about a turtle. It's <laughs> all I remember. But when I was older, um, Bridge to Terabithia was one of my favorites. Um, Rana the Robber's Daughter was another favorite. Those are the two that I really remember. I loved the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Um, and picture, picture books that you loved reading to your daughter when she was four or five? Oh, my goodness. So many. I loved um, The Last Stop on Market Street was one of my favorites. Um, Abuelo Mengo, uh, Abuela Mengo and Me by Meg Medina was another favorite. Island Born, I loved, um, by Juno Diaz. So many when she was little. And, you know, the industry was only starting to diversify when she was littler. And so now, of course, there is just a plethora of these gorgeous books by BIPOC authors that um, that I wish, you know, she's she's in a new stage now. I wish I could read them to her, but I still buy them for myself or, you know, check them out for myself. Incredible. And, uh, and now the part that we've all been waiting for, um, you know, when before I started doing, doing the interviews with NBN, everybody had to sing on my show. Uh, now it's, yeah, now, and usually a Beatles song, but now it's only, it's only reserved for uh, the very few. Um, and I'm going to ask NBN not to splice this out uh, as they may, because, <laughs> because for me, Monica, everything is connected to everything. And uh, your, your beautiful singing ability is definitely connected to your new book on Celia. And, uh, and I'm sure that part of your sensibility is musical. And um, I would argue um, also uh, based on uh, Michael Spivak's book that uh, basically uh, language is, is, is music. Um, it is, yeah. So uh, what, the, what the standard shall we sing together? Oh, um, I don't know. Do you have a favorite? Oh, I, I, my favorite is whatever your favorite is. We'll do four bars each. Okay. The ones that are coming to my mind, like... Uh, Sinatra and Matt King Cole, those, you know, the old stuff. Look at me, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, the first one that came to my mind was Candy, but I don't know if that's a good duet song. It's wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Candy must be 100 years old. <laughs> <laughs> it was the wow. first one that popped into my head. <laughs> wow. So do you want to start or shall I? Well, I'll start if I can remember. Okay, Candy. but, but then, then we have a uh, one second. Hold on a second. We have yeah, a yeah. Uh, we have a thing of arranger. Candy. Okay, go ahead. Candy. Is that okay? Is that good? And I, I, I'll live with it. Like I'm here for okay. you, not the you know. Okay. okay. Candy, I call my sugar candy, because I'm sweet, oh, because I am sweet on candy, and candy's sweet on me, he understands me, my understanding candy, and candy's always handy when I need sympathy. Uh, I wish there were more, more oh, yes. of her. I wish there were full more of him. So I could love much more of him. 
I don't know the words that continue the bridge. In my complete heart, I got a sweet tooth for my sweetheart. Oh, candy. I call my sweetheart candy. Uh, candy. Until I. <laughs> always candy because I'm sweet on candy. And candy sweet on me. Love it. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's the first time I've sung jazz in decades. Love it. I can't say the same thing. I should be better, you know. <laughs> that was fun. I love that. Of course it was fun. So is there anything I haven't asked you, Monica? Golly, I don't think so, Mel. You've asked me everything. So um, until the next time, which uh, will be when your new, next new book comes out, I want to say muchas gracias de to the mucha, muchacha de enfrente. And um, it's been a real joy having you. So um, this is the Mel Rosenberg for the Children's Literature Channel, the New Books Network. And I've been here with the incredible author, Monica Mancias, who has two books coming out this summer, How to Speak Spanglish and The Worry Balloon. Both of them incredible books, run out and buy them. Monica, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Mel. Regards, regards to B, regards to Melissa, and ask Elizabeth if she wants to be on the program and tell me how she was brave and published your wonderful story. I most definitely will. Thank you so much, Mel. This was so much fun. I had more fun, trust me. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> We're not going to fight. <laughs> Bye.